0: Amen. We love you. Well done. Amen. You may be seated. Well, uh, thank you, guys. You know, um, I'm not one that's a great deal in fasting, and you're going to say, now we can tell that. We can tell. Um, A couple of years ago, we did a a Daniel fast for 21 days, and we extended on the the Daniel fast. If you're wondering what the Daniel fast is, Daniel fast, we can talk a little bit more about that next Sunday. But uh, the Daniel fast was uh, uh, from Scripture. He fasted for three weeks, and he didn't drink any wine, and he didn't eat any meats, and just basically lived on vegetables and water. Um, A few years ago, we did a Daniel fast, me and my wife, and it was uh, 21 days or so, and we basically pretty much did nothing. Eat nothing except tofu, vegetables, and uh, water. No bread, no eggs, no coffee, no TV, no sex. No, sorry, we did. Uh, should I have said that? I shouldn't have said that. Eh? That sort of slipped out. But you know, um, we didn't do any of those things. And people ask us, "Why did you do this?" And I didn't really see it as a spiritual thing. I, I basically we just said we we don't do anything to show that we're disciplined at something. And it was more about teaching ourselves some discipline. This year, though, um, I really felt God speaking to me about prayer and fasting and the place it requires in the house of God and the place it should, re- should be in every believer's heart. And I'm going to talk about that next week. It's not like I, I want the spiritual people pray and fast. The unspiritual people just do a bit of praying and eat whatever you want. I'm, I'm really believing next week, as we speak on this topic, that all of us will go on a journey of fasting from something in order to seek more of God. So that's what it's going to be about. And uh, we're going to give you different ways of doing that, you know, and we're not going to tell you you should fast this. You, you have to work out what it is that you're going to fast from. And some of you may need to fast from uh, media, uh, The average child now spends 44 it's been documented the average child spends 44 hours per week on social media that's a long time that's like a working week and I would say some of you adults probably spend more than 44 hours on social media per week maybe that's a good way to start so well I'm going to spend a whole 21 days off of social media so that I can spend more time in the word of God more time in quiet time more time in seeking God so I'm really going to challenge the church in this area, and it won't be the last time we do a fasting thing. Is that okay? Yeah. Some of you guys are like, "Oh no, this church is going a bit weird. It's going spiritual. What's going on?" Well, I, I pray that if it's going to take us being a little bit weird into getting to the things of God, well, let's do that. Amen. Yeah. Um. Well, happy New Year to everybody, and uh, we spent a couple of days up in Newcastle and spent about a day or so with Pastor Morella. She sends her greetings to the church, those that know her, and um, uh, she wishes the church well in this year, and uh, they're looking forward, uh, in some of our events this year, the, the church will probably join with us, uh, we're looking forward to a marriage retreat, they've got some young couples that they're thinking of joining us for our marriage retreat, but there's, we have a real sense of connection together with Pastor Marilla, her father, and the church there at Newcastle, um, so um, just thought I'd communicate that to you, amen. Well, it is a new year, and you know, this, um, I don't know, sometimes it's a new year, we all go to these New Year's resolutions. Anybody decided to have a New Year's resolution? No one? That's all right, that's good. Um, And sometimes people say, well, what's the point? You you say you're going to do something, and then within 21 days, you're no longer doing it. Or you say you're going to skip something, and within 21 days, you find that you're doing it. So I'm not going to tell you this morning about New Year's resolutions. I'm not going to tell you about what you need to do. But I am going to be speaking to all of you uh, on three key things that I would like to see every one of us do. Specifically those that in this church are involved in serving in some way. But it's not just for them. It's for all of us because I believe these three key things are very simple to do. These three things are something that will, I believe, will see us getting, uh, we keep talking about a new level, and and it is a new level, but to a a place that's far better than where we are right now. And it's not because where we are right now is not good. There's always some place better that we can be, amen. We can do some things better, amen. And, and, And Pastor Michael addressed that a little bit about being on time, Um, You know, uh, 10 o'clock, I counted everybody, 28 people here, ready to start a service. Now we have over 80 people. We can do better in that, amen. And so there's so many things in our private world that we can do better. You you know, if someone says, you know, what, what can we do better? We all go to that one thing and say, well, I could do that better. And so this morning, being the first Sunday of the new year, and new year always brings with it a fresh start. That's why I love that every year there's a new year. It gives us an opportunity, a chance to, hey, let's have another go at this. Let's have another go at life, and let's this year do it a little bit better. Uh, we wish each other a happy and a prosperous year, and we've been saying that to each other. We, we tell our friends uh, at, at mid-strike of midnight, 12 over 1, the new year comes in, and happy new year, and we're praying God's blessings and prosperity over everybody because that's what we wish. How many people want a better year? you can lift up your hand. How many people want a better year? Amen. How many people want a worse year? Okay, well, you should have all put up your hand, amen, if you want a better year. Amen. It's a good way to start. Let's engage. How many people want a better year? Amen. How many people want a better year? Still, still people say, I'm not going to put up my hand, Pastor Murray. I'm not going to do it. It's all right. We've got a sermon to preach, so I won't hold on that. I believe that opportunities that lead us to a greater in our life to do uh, to, do not come to us by random chance, because we all say we want to see a better year, but somehow we think there's some magical formula. Some, if the stars line up, if uh, if Lady Luck smiles on us, things are going to go better this year. But I, I believe if we want to see a better year, it's not by, by chance. It's not by, oh, well, let's just see what happens. It's not up to the stars or, what the horoscope says. I believe, I believe all of us want a better year, and it's not based on chance. A lot of it, I, I reckon, to be honest, is based on our intention, on how we use our time, how we use our resources, and the effort we put in some of the things that we say we value. Amen. How many people value family? Well, you, you, you have to sow into your family, right, if you value it. Amen. How many of us value our marriage? You value your marriage, so you have to sow into it. Amen. You sow into the things that you value. How many people value this church? Well, if you value the church, you have to sow into it. And There's so much in our life that we value, but we're not prepared to do anything about it, hoping by some chance it's going to be better. Amen. Somehow we'll just keep doing the same thing and it's going to get better. Well, it doesn't actually happen that way. I know in my life there are areas that I need to work on. I know you find that very hard to believe. Like, he's yeah, it's like, it's pretty good. He's close to perfect. My wife says that all the time. I want to change. She goes, no, you don't. you're just close to perfect for me. But if I'm really honest, I know that there's some areas in my life that needs to change. Amen. I need to work on. If I want to increase my effectiveness, I, I, I need to put some effort into it. If I want to see a greater blessing, if I want to see my marriage get stronger, if I want to be a greater blessing to my family, if I want to become a better pastor and a better leader, i, I got to acknowledge there's some things that I could do better. My effectiveness is not all that good. I could, I could be more effective. And so there's some things I will need to do this year to increase my effectiveness in all those areas. And primarily, I mean, it's my marriage. It's very, very important because you would want that Mary and I have a strong marriage, correct? Would you want that? We, you want your pastors to have a strong marriage. There's a massive attack on senior pastors in regards to their marriages. So you've got to pray for us. Because if If if, if our marriage breaks up, guess what? That's going to affect everybody. It's going to affect us. It's going to affect my children. It's going to affect my grandchildren. It's going to affect this church. It's going to affect all the relationships I have when it comes to church and the kingdom of God. So you need to pray that we have a strong marriage. And so I want to make sure that I, I do things in my marriage that will ensure that it remains strong and gets better as time goes on. Amen. You would want that I'm a a good dad, correct? Amen. So I know there's some things that I can do better to ensure my effectiveness as being a a good father. My kids could respect me and say, dad is not someone who preaches. He's someone who actually does what he preaches. He does what he says. So I want to be a good example. And there's areas in my life that I need to improve on. There's areas in my life in, in regards to the effectiveness of a leader or a pastor or a preacher that I can actually improve on so that it's going to be more beneficial to the team that we have here and to the church and the people that God brings here? Why would I not want to be honest and intentional if I will get a better outcome that will be a blessing for not just me, but to all those in my area of influence? Why would I not want that? And I believe all of us would want that because if we become more effective... In all spheres of our life, and let, let's just put a, a, a just real practical. Let's say you become, you say you're going to be more intentional in, in working harder and working smarter. Who is that going to bless? Who is that going to be beneficial to? Well, if you're employed by somebody, guess what? It's going to be beneficial to your employer. Amen. Right. So when you, when you go and ask for a pay rise, he, he doesn't sort of say, no, mate, we're not giving you any pay rises. We haven't seen any improvement to your work Ethics to showing up on time uh, to putting in. So, if you become effective, if you say, Hey, I'm going to be intentional with this, I'm not going to be late at work anymore, I'm not going to sneak in those extra five minutes at my smoko break or my lunch break, or you know, uh, sneak uh, home five minutes earlier. I, I, I'm going to put in for my eight hours a day, I'm going to really put in be intentional. Guess what? It's going to benefit your boss, it's going to benefit your employer. But guess who else will get a benefit from? I believe it, employers will re- reward the employees that put in. Amen. It's going to benefit you. Amen. So you can put that in work, you can put that in family, you can put that in marriage, you can put that in your personal life as well. And I want to give you three areas that I believe can work, that we all can work on, that will give us our best outcomes in 2019. Three simple areas. Three areas that can be seen as areas that we can work on collectively because I believe these areas apply to us, not just personal in our personal world, in our personal space, but I believe it uh, collectively applies to this church as well. I thank God for all that He has done, and we, we spoke on that last week. I spoke on Psalm 100 that says, hey, we need to come into His gates with thanksgiving in our, in our hearts, come into His courts with praise. And that was before God even showed up. Amen. And so I, I really believe this. We, you know, we got to be thankful for all that He's done, but God hasn't finished yet. Amen. Uh, God hasn't finished with you yet, or with this church yet. We haven't reached the capacity. I don't believe we. You're going to hear this word in a moment, in you know, a far deeper way. I don't believe that we have reached our capacity. So okay, right? It's cruising time now. I don't believe that in God at all. I believe that there's more for us to do. So there's three areas that can be seen as areas we can work on collectively so that we can see our this church grow, but also areas that we can grow individually to see our personal life grow so that we can live more purposeful life. See, one of the tragedies of so many people is this, that they live life but live it with no purpose. Amen. Rick Warren wrote a whole book, a Purpose Driven Life. If I was to ask you, what is the purpose of your life? I hope that you could articulate that in some way. But most people have no purpose. And then some people say, my purpose in life is to make as much money as possible. Or my purpose in life is to be as famous as possible. My purpose in life is to be as rich as possible. Or my purpose in life is to be as uh, well known as possible. But as a Christian, you should know what your purpose in this life is. God hasn't done anything by mistake, and you're not here by mistake. We're here on purpose. Amen. So the first thing I want to put this morning before you is this thing called capacity. Capacity. I'm going to read from Psalm 115, verse 14 and 16. In the New King James Version might be put up there. It says, May the Lord give you increase more and more. I, I love that. Amen. How many people would like an increase this year in twenty nineteen? How many, how many people like a, okay, let's get really carnal. How many people would like a pay rise? Three people. The rest of you just say, too shy to put your hand up. So I don't want to look greedy. I would like a pay rise. Amen. I want my wife to pay me a bit more. Amen. When she, you know, when she pays all the bills, she says, hey, here's, darling, here's $100 for you this week because you work really hard. We all want to, we want an increase. And, and you know what? We tend to think like, well, that's not really biblical. But here we say, may the Lord give you increase more and more. You... And your children, amen. Guess what's going to happen when God increases your um, uh, increases in your life in various things? Let's say, blesses you. There's an increase. Guess, guess who gets blessed as well? Family gets blessed. Those people in your world get blessed. I, I, I wish I, I had a lot of money. Why? Because it wouldn't be just for me. How many people have ever dreamed of m- winning a multi-million dollar lof- lottery? Who, who does that? Come on, let's all be carnal. Kind of, let's put up our hands. Say, I'm sure we've all done it. Got, if I won, you know, the $40 million lottery, the first thing I would do, I would tithe to the church. Well, there's $4 million bucks straight away. There's this uh, building. We bought the building. We've uh, we've revamped it. We've made it beautiful. And we spent $4 million on this building. There you go. I still have $36 million to go. Amen. What would I do? Every person that shows up at church on Sunday Five to ten, I'll be putting a thousand dollars in your bank account every Sunday for the whole year. How many of you are gonna show up at church? Because what happens is like God has blessed me. I wanna I wanna pass the blessing on. Amen. And I would hope the same thing would happen if you won the forty million dollars. Buckley's past tomorrow. May the Lord give you increase more and more. You and your children, may, we be, may you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now that same scripture in the message, Oh God, remember us and bless us, bless the families of Israel and Aaron, and let God bless all who fear Him. Bless the small, bless the great. Oh, let God enlarge your families, giving growth to you, growth to your children. May you be blessed by God, by God who made heavens and earth. Amen. And my prayer for all of us is this, that may the Lord give you increase more and more this year. Amen. Enlarge your families, giving growth to you and growth to your children. Pastor Murray, what's capacity got to do with it? It's very simple. We want an increase in our capacity. What's capacity? Well, the ability to receive some stuff in our lives. You can receive stuff, you get more and more, but if your capacity does not grow to con- contain the increase, we'll have nothing to show for it. So let me explain. And I was going to have a demonstration this morning, but I had a lack of time and being prepared for it. I w- wasn't able to do it, but I'm sure you can imagine this. If I've if got a small cup that is empty here, and I've got a jug of water that holds 10 litres of water, and I start pouring the 10 liters of water into that small cup. How many people know that most of the water in the big container is going to go to waste because it's going to fill up the cup, the little cup, and it's going to overflow and it's going to go to waste? What do I need to do to make it more effective? Get a bigger cup. Increase our capacity. That's what God wants to do with you. It's to increase your capacity. Because when he pours into your life, when he brings blessing into your life, if you have a small cup, in other words, you're not prepared for the increase, most of it is going to go to waste. Bring it to the church situation. I believe God wants to increase our capacity. And we're going to be doing, we're going to let you know some of the things that we're going to do this year, ensuring that we increase our capacity. One way to increase our capacity is that we show up on time on Sunday. One of the ways we increase our capacity is when guests come here, we make sure that they may feel, feel hospitable, they, they, they loved, they cared for. We increase our capacity because we're saying, God, if you just bring one more person to this church, we will love on them, amen, with all our heart, amen. So we increase our capacity. Our capacity should be this. We begin to increase. We are expecting every Sunday, that the service is full of people. Amen. We put the chairs out for a full congregation. We're increasing our capacity. How do we increase our capacity? Very simple. On Sunday, say hello to everybody, but make sure that when our, when you see a guest come, we sit there and we go, and we take time out to introduce ourselves and make them feel welcome into this church. That's increasing our capacity. How do we increase our capacity? We talk about finances. Well, Pastor Mario, we, did a, we increased this year, And thank God, Pastor, uh, Pastor Michael already said that. The generosity of this church is amazing. But if we believe that this church is going to grow, we're going to increase our capacity. How do we do that? By giving, stretching a little bit more. In your own life, you need to increase your capacity. In order to contain what we receive. There's so much in our life that God is pouring into us. Think of all the sermons and the blessings that God has put into your life, all the principles that God has put into your life. And we, if we're truly honest, we say, well, some of it has gone to waste. Amen. Why? It's not God's fault. It's not the Word of God's fault. It's been my fault to be able to find room in my heart and my life to put into operation to clear some space so that Word finds a place in my heart and my spirit and my soul so it can bring, bring forth fruit. Amen. We, we've got a dam called Warragamba Dam. Now, I, I don't know how many liters of water that place holds, but it's massive. And, and, and over the last few years, not so much last year, but a few years ago, I don't know if you remember, after a long drought, Can you remember the imagery of that dam being full of water and spilling over? Well, what was with that? Well, the dam was at capacity. All that extra rain and water that fell down those hills and ran into the dam spilled over and went away. So what are they going to do? They're going to increase the capacity of that dam, and they're talking about raising the level of the dam wall so it gets higher. So what? So when it rains next time, all that water that once would spill over and go to waste would be contained. So they're going to increase the capacity of the dam wall. So there's going to be more liters of water that's going to be useful for the people in the population of Sydney and New South Wales. And the same thing happens to us. It's our capacity that needs to be increased. One of the things about capacity is this. It's also, if there's, our capacity, in a sense, is limited by our our vision as well. So if we've got a small vision, that vision is easily fulfilled. When we've got a big vision, amen, big capacity, we're thinking about, The great things that God is going to do in our life, the great things that God is going to do in this place, we have a bigger capacity, amen, and we're not limiting God, amen. I trust that you are not limiting what God wants to do in your life because your capacity is so small, amen. How many people believe that we serve a big God? Uh, he can do exceedingly abundantly all that you can imagine or dream of. So that means that we need to get our vision that's got to be bigger and our capacity is got to be bigger so that we can contain what God wants to bring into our life. Greater capacity means that you need to enlarge your perspective, make room for more. It, it, I I remember when, uh, a long time ago, when my wife got pregnant and um, expecting our first baby. We had a little three-bedroom house in Adelaide, and um, we prepared for that. Our family was getting, going to be bigger. So we we turned one of the rooms into a a child's room. We weren't sure at that time whether it was going to be a boy or a girl, and... um, so we, we didn't paint it a particular color. We can't even say these things. I'm thinking, like I can't say that anymore. We, we didn't paint it any particular. We put a neutral color, and we prepared our room for the baby that was going to come. Our capacity was growing. We made room for increase. We made room for what was coming into our world. We didn't think like, oh, well he'll, we'll work it out when it When he or she comes, we'll work it out then. No, we we knew there was going to be an increase in some point of time. Within nine months, there's going to be an increase to our family. So we prepared, we enlarged. Amen. We knew that our family was growing. In your world, you need to make room, increase the capacity for what God wants to bring into your world. In this church, we need to increase our capacity. You know, we have about 40 odd people, 45 people that serve on some sort of team in this church. Guess what? We need all of you serving in some team. Oh, there'll be too many people. No, we're preparing for what God wants to bring into this church, so we're increasing our capacity. If you want to receive and contain more of what God has for you, then can I use these words and... and, and the best I can come up with, declutter your world. You want more space in your house? You know, sometimes the first thing we think about is, I I just need more space. So we need to sell this house and buy another house, right? And guess what? Um, When you you move, you realize that most of the stuff you had was junk and you need to throw it out. Because you just collect, 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 collect. And then the funny thing is that a lot of people go to a new home because they need more room. They bring all the junk from that house, to the other house, and they add more junk to what they collect, and then they realize this house is really small. If you want a big, can I say to you, if you want a bigger house, declutter, get rid of the junk. Amen. Stuff that you've never used for the last 20 years, probably you're not going to use for the next 20 years. It could, you know, give it away to somebody. Put it on the verge, and someone's going to pick it up. Amen. Declutter your world. Declutter your life. When you go to a, a show home, and people love going looking at show homes. I love you, going you go in there, oh, how beautiful, oh, this r-. and most times they've only selected the things that add to the space and they don't put a whole stack of books here and stuff there and, you know, the the, the old uh, rowing machine in the corner and, and the treadmill somewhere else and the bit from the car that got left over thrown there, there's none of that, it's all decluttered, there's only the things that are extremely necessary to show the home in its best condition most of us have got so much clutter in our world we need to declutter uncomplicate and free up some time for the greater that god has to wants to do in your life amen see god wants to do more in your life but most of us go well i don't have any more time true how many people are busy just me me and michael how many people are busy we're busy like i don't need any more things to do and and uh, and god's saying well mario you just need to declutter some things." You need to stop doing some of these things that are actually not adding anything to your life or to your family or to your marriage or to your children, to your church. Get rid of it, declutter. And guess what? You're going to have a lot more time to do the things that are really necessary. And that means, what am I doing? I'm increasing my capacity. I've decluttered by removing some stuff and I'm making room. One of the best things you can do for 2019, declutter your life. Because God wants to do some things in your life, but you need to make room for what he wants to do in your life. I'm preaching really well, but nobody's listening. Do you know what monks used to do? Some of you are like, what on earth is a monk? They used to dress usually in a hoodie. They were the first ones to introduce the hoodie. When I see young people walking around with a hoodie, I'm going, is that a monk or is that a young person with a hoodie on? Normally he went with these hoodies, these long gowns. And, and when they go in, they used to go in the monastery. When they went in the monastery, do you know what they went in with? Nothing. They didn't bring their suitcases. well, I've got my iPad and I've got my smartphone and, 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 and I've got, I brought some, a stick of salami because I'm going to need that. And uh, I've got some really good wine that my mum and dad gave me. And I, they went with nothing. They decluttered their life. Because they had made a vow unto God, and I'm not saying that we need to do this, but I'm trying to give an example here, right? They decluttered their life because they said, so much of this life is a distraction to what God wants to do in me, and I need to declutter so I can focus on hearing the voice of God and doing what He wants me to do. Now, we don't find that, like, that's not really attractive when we talk about the life of a monk. I don't know how many churches would be full who says, hey, we're all going to become monks for Jesus, everyone would go home. But they understood what it meant to declutter. See, decluttering means getting rid of the unnecessary, being more efficient, being less complicated, not spending time dealing with the unnecessary complications that the clutter of this life brings. Declutter means that you become a good stewardship of your time. If you really want to start this year off well, one of the things you could do is do a uh, do a bit of a stock take. Do a survey on how you spend your time. Amen. I think that most of us don't like doing it because it's scary. Amen. Uh, yeah, uh, you, you know, when you sit there, sometimes you say, where did all the money go? And And, and you go like, we had all this money, it's all gone. And one of the things I don't like doing, which is not a good thing, is going to look where all the money went. Because when I start looking where all the money went, I go, oh my goodness. I'd rather not know. It's just gone and it's gone. No, that's not good stewardship. Good stewardship of time and money and resources saying, what am I doing with my time? And does it reflect my values and what I want to see happen in my life? Good stewardship of time. Good stewardship of the things that God has placed in our care. Good stewardship of our resources, our finances, and good stewardship of the gifts that God has given you. Amen. All of us in this room have gifts given to you by God. And can I ask you, what are you doing with the gift that God has given you? I'm just waiting for some opportunity someday. I don't know how long you're going to be waiting for, but it's probably best that you say, hey, God, I'm going to put the gift that you've given to me at your disposal, and I want to use it for your glory. Focus. Whatever we give attention to will consume our time, our resources, and our energy. Amen. Focus on that. Now, whatever it is that we focus on, now, uh, look, I, I have social media. Half the time, I don't really even look at it, right? And sometimes I get asked, did you see that post? And I go, no, I didn't see the post. But isn't it funny that we can be so focused on the next notification that we get, beep, got a message. And all of a sudden, we're, we're in everybody else's world, but we've forgotten that we have a world to live. We're focusing on whatever's happening around the world, and we've lost focus on the world that we are in, and we are living. See, whatever we put our eyes to, whatever we focus to, gets our attention, gets our resources, gets our energy. And, and some of the, the leaders, we, we chat a little bit about this. We acknowledge that in this church, the greatest part of this church, the strength, and you may disagree with me, but from our discussions, we had the great, one of the greatest strengths we have in this church is our worship team. Three people said amen to that. Some, one of our greatest strengths we have in this church is our worship team. And do you know why that is so? Because they put effort into it, because they come early. Amen. They put a lot of time into it. So we know that as a church, that's one of our strongest areas because we put a lot of energy and time. People that come sacrificially and give up their time, hours and hours of practice to be prayed up and prepared to lead us in worship. And so that's one of our best areas. One of our weakest areas is our life groups. Why? Because we don't put a lot of energy into that. And that's going to change in the coming year. We're going to be changing that. One of, the, one of the weakest areas that we have in this church is follow-up. How do we follow up people that come to the church? And, you know, they, they've sort of been attending for a while, and we're not too sure whether they want to be in the church or not. We, we don't do that well at all because we say if they want to come to this church, they'll come and they'll like it and they'll connect. And, and we don't do that well. So all of a sudden that has our attention, and we're going to put effort into that area because we want to be good stewardships with, with what God has given to us. Same in your life. What's well, got your focus? I bet you that's got your energy. Hey, Amen. You know, it could be anything. I don't want to pick on different things, but you would know what you're giving a lot of attention to. It could be work. Yeah, it could be that. It could be just entertainment and various forms. And you know, Well, how much entertainment is actually good for me? How many movies can I watch in a week that's actually good for me? Maybe I can actually use some of these things that God has given to us as a blessing. And, and I'll go on YouTube and find a, a sermon from somewhere that lines up with what we're preaching here at church. And I'll just listen for an hour and a half to something that's going to lift me and bless me. Amen. I believe that we all have a potential for greater capacity to be able to carry more of the things that are most important if we are willing to focus. When our capacity increases, then as more comes our way, we will be able to contain it. And we have to admit that one of the weakest areas of our church is when people come in and are here for a while and then they move on. And then and we, 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 I don't know, one year we had so many visitors come. And we realized that we hardly contained any of the visitors. And and I'm going like, well, it's not their fault. It's really our fault because we're not growing in our capacity to embrace the people that come through our doors. And therefore, this year, we're going to be looking at doing that a whole heap better. What is it in your life that you need to declutter so that your capacity will grow? Amen. Well, I spent a lot of time on that. Increase your capacity. Here's one that I believe is um, a re- really what God has been saying to me for this church for this coming year. Our desire for the presence and the power of God. Yeah, can I ask you a question? How much do you hunger for the presence of God? I, I don't need you to answer that. You answer it to yourself. How much do you hunger for the presence of God? Uh, I've Got a quick story here. If you know the story of Moses, he came to set his people, God's people, free. And Exodus 33, and I read this to you quickly because I, I want to move on, but it's very, very important. The Lord said to Moses, "Get up, get going. You and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt, go up to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them." I will give this land to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and the Vegemites. Go up to this land. It's an old joke, but only three of you caught it. Amen. How many people love Vegemite? I love Vegemite. Go up to this land that flows milk and honey. But I will not travel among you. That's pretty crazy. God says, "I, you know, I brought you out, and, and you you need to take this land, and but I'm not going to go with you. But I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. I think God is just sort of sharing His deepest heart. You know, sometimes it's it's quite scary to share your deepest heart. God's sharing His deepest heart. He, he's, in other words, He's saying, "I'm really tired of you guys. You're stubborn neck, you." disappointing and like you know and if I come with you guess what I'm going to get so annoyed I'm going to destroy you when the people heard these stern words uh, how how many people have ever seen God as stern we don't want to see him as stern but when the people heard these stern words they went into the morning and stopped wearing their jewelry and fine clothes for the Lord had told Moses to tell them you are a stubborn and rebellious people if I were to travel with you for even a moment I will destroy you. Remove your jewellery and fine clothes while I decide what to do with you. So from that time they left Mount Sinai, the Israelites were no more, wore no more jewellery or fine clothes. But Moses desired something much more than merely coming into the land flowing milk and honey. And, and I, I, I just, the point I'm trying to make here is, Moses wasn't so much caught up about this land flowing with milk and honey. He was caught up with something which was way, way deeper. And I'm just wondering, would we be seeking God if he wasn't going to bring us into the land flowing milk and honey? Or are we going to seek God for his presence? He desired the Lord himself to be in their midst. Therefore, instead of being excited about the blessings ahead, he began to mourn. He took the tabernacle and set it up uh, outside the camp, and then he prayed. One day Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, take these people up to, the, uh, up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You've told me, I know you by name, I, tr- I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy you, your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. And Moses is sort of saying, God, you've brought me in this situation. These are your people. Now, I, I, I need to know that you're with me. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Reassuring. And you would think like okay, that should settle the matter. Then Moses said, If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? For listen to this. This is a this is important. For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. Is that powerful or what? He said, I'm not so much interested about the promised land, I'm interested in your presence. I thank God that we go to a presence conference. I thank God that our one of the greatest desires of every Sunday morning service or any time we get together is that we're seeking the presence of God. We want the presence. And I'm not talking about the you know, something wrapped or the presence of God. That to know that God is in our midst. Amen. Sometimes we want to, God, do something for me. No. That's not what Moses was saying. Moses wasn't saying, oh, let me see this promised land. It's so good that you're going to bring this. Let's just get on with it. He goes, no, I do not want to go one more step unless you go with me, unless I know that your presence is with me. Because in the end of all things, that is the only thing that distinguishes the people of God and all the other people. That's powerful. What Moses was saying is, I I don't want just blessings. I desire your presence in our midst, in the very center of what we're doing. Amen. He said that the pinnacle thing is to have the presence of God. Moses not only desired the abiding presence of the Lord to be with Israel, but he covered a personal knowledge of the presence. He said, so that I can know you. If we could do one thing this year, Increase our capacity. If we could add to something to the increasing our capacity would be this. I have an incredible desire to know God more personally. I want the presence of God with me. You know, when, I, when I'm working on my own and I put worship stuff and I'm hearing it in my headset so I don't go crazy, you know, with the things of the day. I want to I know that even there, when it's stinking hot and perspiration is coming down, that the presence of God is with me. I don't want to go to a service where there's no presence of God. I don't want to be in any activity where there's no presence of God. I want the presence of God more than anything else. If God doesn't do any more miracles, and He does, but if He were not to do one more miracle, I could not live without the presence of God in my life. And I believe as a church, when we meet, when we come together at church, see, I, I don't know if you see in the spiritual realm. You know, in the natural realm, oh, yeah, it's just another church service. Oh, yeah, they're going to collect your tithes and offering. Oh, yeah, they're going to give you a spiel. Oh, yeah, you're going to sing some songs, and then you're going to get a car, in your car and you can't go home and have lunch. And the next Sunday, you're going to do the same thing again. No, 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 no. In the spiritual realm, when we meet together, we're meeting because the Word of God says, where are two or three are gathered in my name. I will be in the midst. So when you come to church on Sunday, you're not coming to honor me. You're coming because God is in this place and we're honoring him. Because some people think, oh, Pastor Mario gets a big kick when there's a big group. And, you know, when he gets together with his pastor mates, they say, how many people did you have in church on Sunday? And Pastor Mario said, oh, we had our biggest number yet. We had 133 people. And the other pastor goes, oh, well, you're doing really, really great. That's carnal. Is it because of the presence of God we come here? We should be coming here because it's the presence of God. We're seeking. We're hungry. Some of us are going to experience a little bit of hunger over the next 21 days when we start the fast. Okay? And I love Jensen Franklin. He says, Get over it. When He starts his, he started his sermon last year in 2018, and he, the whole church has already started on the fast. So he said, I know that some of you right now are feeling really hungry. Guess what? It's not going to kill you. It's good for you. How many of us have a spiritual hunger for the presence of God? That drives you. You know, when, I, when I'm famished, when I come home, I'll eat anything in the fridge, even if it's a little bit moldy. I don't care. I'm hungry. I'm going to eat it. Blue vein is very good. As a church, when we meet, when we come together at church, or a life group, or a youth, or with the children, or on a picnic, or a, a coffee somewhere, or hanging out together with friends, or you, you know, you know, on a holiday. Can we can we have the presence of God with us? It's the presence of God with us. That sets us apart from all other religions and other people on earth. And, and, and Moses says, God, if your presence is not with us, he says this, I'm not going to do another thing. I, I think most of us, be honest, God, if you show up, that's really cool. If you don't, we're just going to continue doing church. Imagine when we come with a desire and a hunger into the house of God. God, if your presence is not here, we are not going to do one more activity. We're not going to sing one more song. We're not going to do one more activity. We're not going to do one more day. We want your presence. And Moses, I'm not taking one more step. Just imagine if God didn't show up, and I haven't got time to read the rest of the story, but you know that God favoured on him. He asked for the presence of God, and and, and God showed himself to him. You know, that's absolutely amazing. I go like, well, you know, we're no different to Moses, because we think God's got got special people. Moses falls in the special category. I want you to, to do a research of the Bible and find out how many perfect people that God used. There was only one, Jesus. Every single other person written in the Bible was flawed. Guess what? You're flawed. Guess what? God still wants to use you. Amen. Guess what? I'm flawed. God still wants to use me. And so we're no different than Moses. And Moses says, God, I'm not moving from here unless you show me your presence. And God favored on him. How many places have we gone where we left presence of God behind or where we didn't even want God's presence to come with us? Now, that's, that's scary. God, I'm going here, but you know what? Can you just stay behind? I would say that you're probably going somewhere where you shouldn't be going. God, God I want your presence, but you know, this movie that is on right now, maybe you shouldn't be in this room. Just go, go hide somewhere. Cause. We're having this discussion right now, but God, you stay outside because this is private between me and Michael. Just stay out there. How many times have we gone places where we don't want the presence of God? God, where I need to go, I'm not willing to go if your presence does not come with me. 2019, desire the presence of God more than anything else. And can I say to you, don't, the, the desire for something is that you begin to seek it. Right? You, begin, you begin to cry out, you begin to ask, you begin to question, you begin to read. That's how you get a desire for something. You, it's got your attention. Amen. You, you, you know, so Sunday should have your attention. Your, your quiet time with God should have your attention. Amen. You, you should be saying, how am, how am I going to fit this into my world, into my schedule, so that I can make time to seek the presence of God? Capacity and desire for the presence of God. Now, this last one, you say, it's not not all that spiritual, but it's meaningful. And it was really interesting this week because I mentioned this word last Sunday. And then during the week, Alice posted something on our church WhatsApp. And it used the very same words that I used last Sunday. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, I'm just going to read from James chapter four, verse seven to ten. I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible because that's what she sent to me, and I go like, "That's a confirmation of this word." And I'm going to read it to you, and and maybe some of you might get the word as I read it if you were here last week. So the Lord God work His will in you. This is James chapter four, verse seven to ten, in the Message Bible. So the Lord God work His will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil, amen, and watch him scamper. Hey, man, don't entertain him, yeah? You know, you ever seen a dog that's a little bit yappy and a little bit like, you know, and he's going to come and he looks like he's going to bite you, you know? Sometimes I find the little dogs are the worst ones because they, And you know, I've gone to a, a, a customer's house, you've got these yapping dogs that I think if the customer wasn't there, I would go, but I couldn't do that. And this little dog bit my ankle and I'm like, yeah. Probably all I needed to do was like, stop. Cause I'm I want to be friendly, and, I'm like, eh. and he goes, eh. and I'm putting out my hand, and he tries to bite my hand. That's what we do with the devil. It's like, oh, just entertain. See what he wants to do with me. No, resist the devil. Resist him and watch him scamper. And then say no to him, and then say a quiet yes. A quiet yes is a resolve in your heart to God. It'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Mess around a little bit. It's not. It's not going to get on me. I, I, I hate when it rains, because when it rains, it, I try to. Everything gets muddy. Yeah, my boots get muddy, my truck gets muddy, got muddy hands. It's, it's awful. And and we do that with sin. We we just want to dabble with it a little bit. Uh, hopefully it won't get on me. Guess what? It gets on you. Don't dabble with it. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom, and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. I love that part. Here we go. Get serious. Really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Can I ask you, when was the last time we got serious for the things of God? When was the last time? We, we go through the routine, I, you know, I prepare a message, I pray a little, I read my Bible a little, I try and do a little good things. But when was the last time I got serious for the things of God? When was the last time I, I cleared out my calendar, my to-do list for the day and said, I'm serious for the things of God? I'm going to go on a walk and just pray, I'm going to speak in tongues, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to seek God with all my heart. Can I, can I say this? When was the last time church got serious with what we are doing? We need to be serious. We, we, we're not here to occupy some an hour and a half on a Sunday. We're not here to give you some things to do so that you can be busy and, you know, uh, idle hands, are, you know, uh, they get into trouble. I don't know what the saying is, but, you know, idle hands are... People are doing nothing, they get into trouble. And if you're busy, uh, you know, you're not going to do, we're not giving you some stuff to do so that you won't get into trouble. We're we're doing this because this is serious stuff. We do church because God has asked us to do that. Amen. We meet together because the Word of God says, don't forsake the meeting together of the saints. We pray. Why? Because that's how we connect with God. We worship. Why? So that we can have those little moments in the service where, oh, I love the way Adrian sang that song this morning. Woo, Got hairs on my neck are standing up. Mine aren't because I cut them this week. I shaved them that so they can't even stand up. It's not so we have a moment because we're speaking of matters that have to do with eternity. When was the last time we were serious for the things of God? Can I say, let's make 2019 the year where we get serious for living for God, serious for God in our private life, serious for God in our church life. Let's mean what we say. If we say, we love the church, and it's easy to say that, let's show that we love the church. If we say we love God, let's show Him that we love Him. Amen. If we say we desire the presence of God, then I say to you, find time to seek Him, to know Him. If we say that church family is important, let's show that by making our contribution to church family. How many people are in a family where someone someone of you, and now's not the time to point to anybody, all right? You know, it's something has to happen. Let's let's say it's simple. Dinner time. And you're away in the kitchen, slaving away, cooking with all your love and stirring the pot and getting everything ready. And it's like, it's nearly done, but no one's here to help me. No one's here to set the table. No one's here to, you know, just help me dish out the dishes. And you feed everybody, and then at the end of that, um, like, uh, dinner's finished, and everyone picks up and goes to their various activities, and you're left like, oh, they're all gone. If you're like, anybody going to help me with the dishes? Oh, no, I got things now, I got things now, they're all gone. And then you've got to get all those dishes, and you're piling them all up, and you've got to bring them to the sink, and you've got to wash them all on your lonesome self. Anyone in your family like always finds when when I was when Adrian was a bit younger, I'm not picking on him, but just an example, right? Every time we were preparing the table, Adrian's sitting in the toilet singing songs. <laughs> he, he he would find his way to the toilet, and he'd only up show up at the table when the dinner was there and we'd prayed, because then we couldn't pick on him to pray, right? So he said, Adrian, yeah, I'm coming. And he'll be singing in the the bathroom. I said, toilet, but in in the bathroom. He's sitting there and singing. And he found a way to get out of it. you got someone in your family like that? See a few head pats going around there. People looking at each other. Well, church family is just the same. See, we got people here come prepare and do stuff and come and set the communion stuff. There's always just come take and go, and we say no, let's get serious for the things of God. Let's make a contribution. Am I saying it with lots of love? Amen. Let's mean what we say. If we say, we, God, we live for you, then let's live for him. If we say God is number one, let's make him number one in our life. If we say lost people matter to God, they should matter to us, well, then let's make lost people matter. If we say church family is important, then let's show that by making our contribution, to the church family, and show how much it matters. And let's give like it matters. I love my family. I love my church family. I love my family as well. A couple weeks ago, we were in Adelaide, and and we were staying at OK Apartments. And it was like, it was an opportunity for us to hang out together as family. And and next door was this really nice hotel. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go and shout my kids breakfast at this really nice hotel. And I, don't get me wrong, I like nice food. But I, I want to tell you that breakfast was nearly $40 per person. And and it was plus 5% surcharge because it was public holiday. And I'm saying that this morning because I, I had my kids there. Food was amazing. I go, I'm doing it because I love my kids. I'm not doing it because I'm showing off. I'm doing it because I love them. I want this to be a memorable time with my kids, my grandkids, sitting around this table. Probably the most expensive breakfast ever in my life, but it was worthwhile. Michael and Adrian did not happen to be there, but they missed out. But the rest of the family was there, and it was absolutely amazing. Why? Because my kids mattered to me. It's irrational. Why, like it was over, I don't know, 250 bucks or whatever it was. $250, you know how many cereal boxes I can buy for my family? But it had nothing to do with a cereal box. It had to do with, I love them, so I'm so into them. I, I want them to know that I love them and I'll do anything for them. And you would do the same with your kids. Why do you spoil your kids? Because you love them what do you, you 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 want to do the best for them because you love them if we say we love the house of God and the family of God are we serious about that are we going to like hey what do we need what do we need do we need more time we need you need me to come and do something do you do you need more money in this place what what is it that you need because we're serious because we love this place say so church is important let's let's Act like it actually is important, like it matters. See, our words are cheap and will be empty if we don't follow up with our actions. Let's take what we do seriously. Church is really about life or death. It's heaven or hell. It's eternally lost or eternally found. I'm praying in 2019, there's going to be an increase in this place of our capacity. Pray there's an increase in our desire for the presence and the power of God. And I pray that we all get serious.